0: Yeah. Come on, keep your fear on, get it chopped. Keep, keep your fear on, get it chopped. Welcome back to another episode of Degenerates Drinking Coffee. And in this episode, we're gonna be discussing a classic in coffee. This is gonna be the Chemex, all right? The Chemex has been around since the 1940s. It's a very old piece of brewing equipment, but it's still widely regarded as a great brewing device, and it's still used today. You know, when I think of the Chemex, I think of it being a, as a gateway to the specialty coffee brewing culture, okay? It was one of the first brewing devices that I ever owned, uh, right next to the Aeropress. And Also, in most you know, modern American homes, you see a Chemex, if not in the kitchen, most people have one tucked away somewhere. Most people have a Chemex, at least most people that I know, even if they don't use them regularly, they still have one around. So why is the Chemex so popular? It's, it's obviously very functional, it's attractive, it's enjoyable, but let's dive a bit into the history so we can figure out well how did it come about, what was it designed for, and, and what impact has it made today? So we start in 1941 with a chemist named Dr. Peter Schlumbaum All right, he he came to America with a real with a real uh, appreciation for Americans' patent laws and ended up developing over 300 patents from cocktail shakers to automobiles. And the Chemex came about because he just kind of wanted to figure out a perfect way but a simple way to brew coffee. And with this background being in chemistry, he also wanted a device that kind of resembled what he was accustomed to working with in a laboratory setting. So Dr. Peter, I know I said Peter before, interesting that I messed up the common name and not the very German last name, but Dr. Peter decided that he was going to not only develop this brewer, but also invent this double-botted paper filter that would help with the extraction of coffee. So very forward thinking um, for the time, figuring out how to, to filter papers as well as the design of the brewers impact extraction. Uh, And and keep in mind, he also comes from a chemistry background. in the development of the Chemex he went with uh, this this non-porous labware because he didn't want the actual brewer to impart any flavor on its own to the coffee that he was brewing. So what he ends up coming up with is this one piece of glass that not only has the dripper portion but the carafe portion kind of joined together. It's one piece of glass and it makes this iconic hourglass shape around the neck of the hourglass. There's a wooden collar and then a rawhide tie. And it's just one of those highly recognizable uh, pieces of brewing equipment that most people are familiar with, at least in the specialty coffee space. But even outside of the the coffee space and the scientific community, we also see it's very popular in the, the art community. So the Chemex is found in the permanent collection at the Brooklyn Museum, as well as the MoMA in New York, so that's that's pretty interesting. The Mu- the uh, Museum of Modern Art displayed it as one of its best design products in 1943 as well. Uh, it has also been selected by the Illinois Institute of Technology as one of the 100 best design products of modern times so we've got a lot of awards a lot of recognition for again this very timeless uh, brewing uh, device so it's been around for a while but i i see a lot of confusion on how to brew with this or at least how to brew with it in a way that produces a very desirable cup so what i went ahead and did is made a video on it's on instagram youtube tiktok uh it's all over on, on kind of my approach to brewing with the Chemex. And I'll explain it here on the podcast, but we need to kind of break down how the device works, how it's different from other drippers, and how we can manipulate our variables to produce a, a really desirable cup. So first, let's discuss probably the most confusing portion of the brewing. And that's where we start with, I, I guarantee you're already gonna guess what I'm gonna say before I even say it, rinsing our filter paper, all right? That's where we start. And and probably the biggest variable we need to consider in our filter paper aspect of brewing is that each filter paper contains a lot of fucking paper. We're talking 5.5 grams for the square bleach filter papers. Now there was a lot of questions over oh do i prefer bleached or natural filter papers there is a whole other podcast episode on that i recommend you go listen to it i did a video on this that information's out there but to sum it up bleached filter papers produces a cleaner tasting cup and there's no actual fucking bleachness. This. this is one of the biggest min- misconceptions I hear is oh it's not healthy it's it's uh it it hurts the environment it's not good for me. Why would I drink bleach? That's fucking wrong. This is not that is 1980s lore that has somehow found its way into 2024 most bleach filter papers today are done with oxygen bleaching without a a variety of heavy chemicals and in addition to that chemex has a transparency report that even shows their filter papers are biodegradable and compostable so filter papers are a big aspect of this but one thing we need to consider is that we still need to rinse the fuck out of this filter paper because there is still a lot of paper and with a lot of paper that means a lot of flavors that can impact our final product are our, our in solution right so we need to rinse the shit out of that filter paper with hot water you can use 212 degree fahrenheit water so boiling temperature just just a hot temperature and what this is going to do is not only rinse our filter paper but preheat our brewing device now this will be a bigger bigger uh um, thing to look at when we're brewing with devices that have more of a thermal mass and, and even though the Chemex is made of glass and you know that heat will dissipate pretty quickly we still want to have it nice and preheated and again make sure that filter paper is nice and clean. Next we need to consider our grind. Now one of the things that people will do in order to kind of bypass this slow drawdown of the Chemex. There's a lot of filter paper and that means a lot of materials are getting caught. Very clean cup, but a lot of these oils and fines get trapped in this filter paper and it leads to a very slow drawdown and filter papers get clogged very easily. So people, in order to kind of fix this, they'll grind coarser. Now, this is going to play a role in extraction. You're gonna have very weak underextracted cups when you do this, so here's my suggestion start finer and then kind of work your way up to coarser uh, grind sizes depending on how you know bitter and astringent the final product tastes. But we need to factor in that the Chemex is going to have slower drawdowns. This is not something we need to be overly concerned about and we do not need to grind coarser to mitigate this. Uh, or, or make the drawdowns faster. You're not going to achieve these Hario V60 two-minute cup complete times, right? With a Chemex, you're looking at three, four, five minutes long, and that's completely fine. You can still make a great cup with these longer times. So, So start your grind a little finer than you think, and and don't go overly coarse with it. Now, adding the coffee to the filter, what a lot of people have asked me before about is why do you level the bed and why do you create this divot in the center? With a cone-shaped filter, All right, think of how the bed and coffee is distributed in, in that cone shape of the filter. All this is going to do, leveling it out and then creating that divot in the center, all this does or at least the thought process behind it is it allows the coffee bed to saturate more evenly during our bloom phase. All right. So we're not having these dry pockets of coffee and ultra, you know, oversaturated pockets elsewhere. All right. We're, we're trying to achieve consistency. We're trying to let that CO2 escape from that coffee and off gas before we start, you know, moving forward with our pour over. So that is the thought process behind the flatbed and the divot. It's just even saturation of our bed during bloom phase. Now for the bloom, here's what I recommend. Two to one to three to one ratio. So let's say I have, we'll, we'll make the numbers easy, 20 grams of coffee for my bloom phase. What I'm going to do is a 40 mil or 40 gram uh pour in there or or we can go up to 60 right so somewhere between 40 to 60 mil for a 20 gram coffee dose that would be an acceptable bloom for that amount of coffee an acceptable amount of water a good ratio to start with and we're going to let that bloom now depending on the coffee when it was roasted where it came from that's a lot to consider but generally just a general statement here I go for between 30 to 40 seconds. Next, we get into our actual pour over. Now for this, what I do, I know a lot of people like the single pour method. I prefer tight circles, all right? Closer to the center of the bed, low and slow pulses, all right? And I'm talking like 60 to 70 mil pulses. And in doing this, this is at least what I find. I'm able to get a little more sweetness out of the cup. I'm able to get a little more clarity out of the cup. It's already a very clean cup because we've discussed how the filter paper impacts the the overall uh, you know cupping notes and and mouthfeel of what we're tasting. But I think that this method works out really well. And I'll, I'll kind of talk about one thing I see a lot of people doing. Uh, I don't want to say wrong, but it it, it it's kind of counterproductive, right? What I see a lot of people trying to do is make their 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 circular pores look way fucking fancier than they need to be. They'll be slopping water in a circular fashion, just hitting the fucking sidewalls, just kind of all over the place, getting crazy with it. It looks cool. You look like a real Billy Badass, right? But it's counterproductive if you consider where most of the coffee is in this V-shaped cone, all right? right? Where is most of the coffee concentrated at? Well, towards the center. If you think about how the walls are angled and where most of that coffee is, it's closer to the center of that, that uh, bed. So tight circular pores, And we can, we can go out a little bit, kind of make sure that we're making, you know, getting all the coffee involved in the picture here, but we don't need to spend a whole lot of time hanging out on those outer edges because there's not much coffee hanging out there. Now, when we get into these cup complete times, remember these drawdowns are going to take a bit longer. So it's completely fine that the cup takes a little bit longer to be completely done brewing, all right? For the uh, parameters that I just recently gave for a 20 gram dose of coffee to a one to 14 ratio, ending up in 270 mils being poured in total, all right? That took about three minutes and 10 seconds on average for a cup to be completely done brewing. As we start going up with those doses, the time is gonna take longer as well. So keep that in mind, but don't be overly cautious with those drawdown times. And again, don't do something like (laughs) go with uh, a coarser grind, or another thing that I see is people, they perceive the coffee is tasting weaker, because remember, the filter paper is, is stripping a lot of those oils from the cup. So what they'll do is they'll just put a fuck ton more coffee. They'll do really low ratios. They'll do like one to 12, one to 13 ratios. And if that's what tastes good to you, that's fine. But you don't really need to do that. Uh, Go back to our fundamentals of extraction. And we know that there, there's other ways to kind of tackle that. Starting with, let's just grind a little finer. Let's, increase our water temperature. These are some other ways that we can approach that issue. Finally, we get into our pour, and the stem is very convenient because the stem runs from the carafe portion of our hourglass up to the up through the neck and up out uh, from the, the actual dripper portion. So it runs the length, it pours very, very well, but it serves another reason or another purpose, which is it allows the, well, it prevents an airlock from occurring. So, one thing that I see a lot of people doing, and I will say wrong, is they take the triple bonded paper and they do not put the triple ply side uh, over where the 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 stem is, that that valve for pouring. Okay, that that the whole purpose of having that thicker side of paper on that side will be to prevent the paper from sinking into the stem and then causing an airlock. So if you put the single ply version on that side, what's gonna happen is that will likely sink down into the stem and you'll have an airlock during your pouring process, which is gonna clog the shit out of your filter, all right? So if you put that triple ply side over the valve side or the stem side, you're gonna find that it, assists in the prevention of an airlock from recurring in that that paper sagging into our pouring stem so it pours well and it serves a purpose which is preventing airlock and in clogging our uh, filters so that's just a really hard fast look at some things that we can do to make our Chemex a little better a little more desirable so you can do whatever you want uh, but hopefully this discussion helps you formulate some sort of a game plan when, you, when you're approaching your Chemex and trying to figure out the, the way to make a cup that tastes the best to you. Because at the end of the day, the cup that tastes best to you is the best recipe to follow. Now, I appreciate the feedback. Uh, if, if you find this does help, I, I would ask, especially if you heard it on the podcast, leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That would really be Great, I've noticed on the social media pages. This is this might just be for my channel. Instagram's a mixed bag: a lot of positive stuff, a lot of negative stuff. Uh, YouTube is 100% negative, just really fucked up. Like straight up, go go fucking schwack yourself feedback in the comments, and then and then uh, TikTok surprisingly is very very positive. So just just something I, I find interesting an observation I've made. But as you can see that from the fact that I'm even. Releasing a podcast right now. We are moved into the new location. Orders are going back out, new products getting added. Everything is not only running, you know, business as usual, but a lot of big improvements and a lot of good stuff is being made and already looking towards the future on kind of expanding what Degenerate Drinking Coffee does. So I appreciate you listening. Thank you for your time. And I will catch you on the next episode of Degenerate Drinking Coffee.